0: A very good morning to all of you, it's good to be back home, good to be amongst uh, the family, uh, but the wonderful thing could be able to enjoy together with mom all the fellowship that we used to have, many have sent their greetings like Pastor Waldemar and others, people we are working with in, in Germany and our families, they all have sent their greetings and that shows us that we are a very, very wonderful big family. You know, God is not limited to a scope of a small place. Uh, thank God for uh, what God is doing in Zambia, but God is not limited to one nation. He is actually working throughout the world. So today we are having an opportunity to uh, celebrate Holy Communion. And that is a very special day. You know, uh, through the COVID crisis, it has been sometimes difficult uh, to do that. and. Uh, I think it's very important that we never neglect it, that we never miss it uh, in our lives, because through uh, the communion that we are celebrating, God has very special blessings for us. Now, today I want to share with you a subject that, uh, made, me, that made me wonder, you know. Uh, I, I was studying the book of Hebrews in the last uh, few weeks, uh, and when I came to verse 9, I was uh, I was uh, stuck you know because I was wondering what does God really mean with the scripture that we find there let me just read that scripture Hebrews chapter 2 verse 9 and to make sure that I don't just read it from one scripture I was studying it from different scriptures from different translations uh, and trying to find out what what did God really want to convey to us in this word Now the Bible says what we do see is Jesus, who for a little while was given a position a little lower than the angels, and because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted this for everyone. By God's grace, Jesus tasted this for everyone. Now that's a powerful word, and I... I, I thought when I read it first it was, uh, I was I was reading it wrongly. maybe I was jumping a line but that's exactly what it says. You know whether you read it uh, in different translations here it's from the New Living Translation but even in uh, the New King James he said by the grace of God Christ might taste this for everyone. By the grace of God Christ might taste this. Now that's it's quite strange when we read that and I want to uh, come back to that a little bit later but let me read from the book of Galatians chapter 20 and 21 and the Bible says here I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me the life I live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me I do not set aside the grace of God for it for if righteousness could be Again, through the law, Christ died for nothing. And 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, the Bible reads here, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace, is, to me, was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was within me. Let us pray. Lord our God, we want to thank you so much that we have this opportunity to come together as your family, Lord, that we can be able to share the emblems today of bread and wine that remind us, Lord, what you have been doing for us in this world. Lord, you came into this world for one reason, and that was to die for us, to lay down your life on our behalf and to bring grace and life to every one of us. So, Lord Jesus, I pray, may you speak to our hearts. May you be able to make us understand, Lord, the greatness of your work, of the work of salvation, as well as of the continuing grace that works in our lives every single day. So, Lord Jesus, we pray that you guide us in your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, the question that I want to ask today is what has grace and death have in common? What has death to do with grace? You know, is not death our mortal enemy? You know, our age old enemy who robs us of our inheritance? The Bible tells us very clearly that death has come as a result of sin. this was not a creation of God, it was not uh, created by God in any way. This was a result of disobedience and of selfishness. And when death came, it was as a wage for the disobedience for the sin that man had committed. And so we must understand that this is not really something that God has desired to happen, and yet it happened. And so we, we need to understand why why do we see god saying to us or why do we hear god saying to us by god's grace jesus tasted this for everyone you know when we talk about grace we think about breakthrough we think about victories we think about all the 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 things that we are in need of and uh, yet here we see that the grace of god meant this for christ <coughs> so I want us to see that you know, I want us to, to let this sink into our hearts because if you are not having victory if you are not going through the tops of the mountains if you are not singing for joy and you are going through difficulties in your life does it mean the grace of God is absent? actually the Bible tells us here that even in this, God provides grace. And God has actually tied grace to this. Now, that may not be a very pleasant uh, subject, but nevertheless, it is very important for us for, to talk about this very word. Now, we all are still exposed to this. You know, it's a reality. And every now and then, <clears throat> when we gather in funerals, we are always reminded that death is a reality. Death brings to us the pain and the realization of our inadequacy. It tells us that we have boundaries, that we can't jump over, that we cannot cross. But we have the promise in the word of God that death is the last enemy that God is going to deal with. Okay? He will do away with death at the end. And I've always been wondering why, why does God not deal with uh, this right at the beginning? Why did he not deal with this when he came and he died at the cross of Calvary and he could have eradicated this right there and then, you know, for all of us? But Jesus tells us that, no, it's actually at the very end that God will come and deal with this as the last enemy to be dealt with. And in the meantime, the question is Why? okay why did God not deal with death in finality when he was here on earth the answer could only be that death still has a role to play in our lives and it's important that we understand that role because through this we proceed to new life and I want to take time to lay this out uh, for us in the next few minutes Now, Jesus triumphed in death, so that grace could flow. You know, let me read this again in the book of Galatians. The Bible says, I've been crucified with Christ. Okay, this is a human being speaking. Okay, that's Paul speaking. And he says, I've been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Okay, now, how could Paul say, I no longer live? Because he's the one writing here, isn't it? But you know, we must understand that the life that Paul was speaking about was a different life than he had before. You see, when you look at the life of Paul before he met Christ, a life full of religious, uh, you know, fervor, a lot of uh, uh, stuff that he tried to do out of a religiousness, that that made him that he felt will make him better Uh, God could not give him the grace he was a man who was living for his own uh, for his own dimensions of of, uh, the aims that he had but when Saul met with Christ you know he, he fell from his horse he was blinded And he was no longer able to do anything. Everything that he wanted to do came to an end right then and there. And Jesus was asking the question, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? So in other words, Paul who was thinking, or let me say Saul who was thinking he was doing God a favor by persecuting those who believed differently than him, those who followed Jesus Christ the son of the living God, He he felt he would do God a favor because he came from the Old Testament time and, you know, for him the Messiah was not Christ. For him the Messiah was somebody who was still very much in the future. But when he fell from his horse at that time and he was blinded and he could not do anything, he was actually taken by the hand into uh, someone else's home and he was waiting there. And God told him, wait here until someone comes and prays for you. (coughs) so exactly that had to happen and you know what we see is that at that uh, very critical time Paul began to die to his old nature and God actually marked this by giving him a new name he was no longer known as Saul the one who was self-willed, the one who was pushing his way the one who was trying to use power and authority in order to pin other people down No, he now became Paul, a man of great passion, a man of uh, faith, and and a man of, of, of a desire of doing the will of the Father in heaven. Not somebody who was pushing his own will, but somebody who was looking at understanding the will of the Father in his life. And I think this is very important for us to see, you know, not only in the life of uh, men like Paul a man who had such a powerful transformation from being Saul to become Paul because that's exactly what God wants to happen to every single one of us and Paul says I've been crucified with Christ you know that old nature that old self-willed man that, old, that, that man who was full of religious fervor but who didn't know Christ, who didn't have a relationship with the living God, that man was crucified. And Paul says, I no longer live, but now Christ lives in me. So in other words, <clears throat> I don't do my own thing. I do what God calls me to do. I'm not pushing my ways in, in my own uh, little understanding But I seek the understanding of God Almighty, and I'm interested in doing what God calls me to do. And that's why he could say these powerful words I've been crucified with Christ. So, in other words, his life began in death. Okay? I've been crucified with Christ. The old man died. Okay? Christ did die for us at the cross of Calvary, and yet that cross was not actually for him because, you see, the Bible tells us that cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree, but Christ was not cursed. Christ was the only righteous person who ever lived on the face of the earth. Christ was doing right, and he never gave in to sin, never even once. The Bible tells us that he was tested in every way, just like we have been and we are. But he was remaining without sin. So that cross was not meant for Christ. That cross was meant for sinners, like us. And yet Jesus was prepared to go to that cross. Not because he sinned, but because he took our sin upon himself. He was prepared to do what no other human being, no other person could ever have done because no matter how many people have been crucified, it remains without effect because they were all sinners. You know, in certain countries in our world, every time when Easter comes around, uh, people are enacting the crucifixion of Christ, and there are people who are allowing themselves to be in, in, to be hung on a, on a on a on a tree, on a cross, and they feel that you know there is some special value into that in that. Let me tell you, that is a total unnecessary act, <coughs> because the Bible tells us that He died for us once and for all. There is nothing that can be added to what Christ has done at the cross. Nothing whatsoever. And we must understand that no matter how many people will be enacting that crucifixion and die at the cross somewhere, it has got no effect on any one of us, on any human being on the face of the earth, not even on the person who is doing it himself. Because no human being can bring salvation, It needed the righteous lamb of God. And this is what John the Baptist saw when he saw Jesus coming to him at the uh, river Jordan to be baptized. He saw this is the lamb of God. The lamb of God who carries away the sin of the world. That lamb was described in great detail by the prophet uh, Isaiah about 700 years earlier. And everyone in in, uh, Israel knew about the lamb of God. And so John said, this is the Lamb of God, who will carry away the sin of the world. But then, you know, you can't carry the sin of the world away without going through the judgment. Because, you see, sin must be judged. Every wrong needs to be judged. I mean, even we as a society, we know that when things go wrong... The result is judgment. You know, somebody has to appear before a magistrate or before a court uh, and, and answer to the crimes that he or she has committed, and then there will be judgment. Now, how do we know that? We know it because this is the system that God has laid down. God is a God of love, yes, that's true, and he loves us dearly, but he is a God of righteousness as well, and that's why he cannot leave sin to be unpunished. That's why, you know, he needs to separate us from our sin because we can't be in his presence together with our sin. That would not be, that would not be eternity that God has created in love and fellowship and harmony because where sin is, there's disharmony. Where sin is, there is hatred. Where sin is, there's is all kind of evil. And so God had to separate us from our sin and he did that when Jesus came to die at the cross of Calvary. So Paul says, I, the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. So in other words, I'm no longer just counting on my own muscles, on my own cleverness, on my own abilities, but I'm looking up to the living God, the Son of the, of the living God, who has loved me and gave himself for me I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness could be gained through the law Christ died for nothing now that's a very important word you know when Jesus came uh, the argument number one when he was talking to the scribes and, the, and the, the, the Pharisees was that Moses told us this Moses told us that Moses gave us the law and Jesus makes it very clear that he superseded the law. Okay? He actually is the fulfillment of the law. The Bible tells us in the book of John, chapter 1, verse 14 The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth, praise God you know when Jesus came grace and truth arrived in the world not like it was before but in the fullness that came from above John testifies concerning him he cries out this is the one of whom I said he he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me from the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another For the law, now listen to that, that's very important. For the law was given through Moses. Okay? That was the argument uh, in Jesus' days. Because Jesus was preaching the good news of the grace of God. But the people said, no, 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 this is not working. We have the law of Moses. And the Bible says here, the law, yes, it was given through Moses. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. But God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. So the people who were stuck in this world with the law that was was revealed through a vessel that God used, that was Moses, uh, they could not see beyond the law Actually, even the law was pointing beyond uh, the letter itself. It was always pointing to Christ. And finally, when Christ came, you know, He was revealing to us the grace of God. He was revealing to us the truth of God. He came to us in the fullness of the grace and truth into this world. And the Bible says, you know, that God who has never been seen the God who has never been experienced by any human being, he is the one, you know, Jesus is the one who brought first-hand information to us because he came from the Father's side. He has made him known. And that's why it is so important that we carefully study the word of God because the word of God makes Jesus known to us. The one who has been at the Father's side from eternity past. And he has got all the, the truth, all the grace, plus all the information that you can ever want to have because he has been with the Father in fellowship and with the Holy Spirit for, from time immemorial. <laughs> so we must understand, Jesus triumphed in this. So that grace could flow. And that's important. You see, grace does not come cheap. It's life. The Bible tells us that Jesus laid his life down. Actually, it's not the devil who killed Jesus. It's not even sin who killed Jesus. Jesus had power, and that's what he said. I have power to lay my life down, and I will take it up again okay so Jesus laid his life down on our behalf for us for you and me and that's why today you know the door for us is open to come into the presence of God and to have this fellowship with God that's why we can come to the father's table because that's what Jesus has done for every single one of us we are really privileged okay so grace does not come cheap and that's very important grace is associated with the highest cost in the universe okay and we must understand that let me just read for you from the book of Romans chapter 6 and verse 1 Romans 6 and verse one reads well then should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his grace of his wonderful grace you see there are some people in the world today who are blowing grace out of proportion. They have got new words they are describing grace with. I don't want to go into that. But the the question is asked already by uh, the greatest proponent of grace, and that is Paul. He says, should we keep on sinning because of the grace? You know, since God has given us grace, you know, that grace will always cover. And Paul gives an answer to that Very argument. He says, Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? So, in other words, sin must come to an end. And I'm not saying that we become immediately sinless when we receive jesus christ no you know we have got a lot of habits we have got a lot of things that needs to be transformed in our life you know that's of 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 cleansing of of being becoming righteous okay so god is busy in working out that program with every single one of us but the bible says here we should not go on sinning of course not since we have died to sin we cannot continue to live in it (coughs) Or have you forgotten that when, you, when we were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death? Okay, I, I, I just pause here, because I think this is here where we are seeing uh, the very words that we read in the beginning in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. Okay, yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted this for everyone. And this is a prerequisite of grace. Okay? Because this world is not perfect. Because this world is in sin. That's why death needs to happen first before grace can come through. Okay, so Paul says, have you forgotten when we were joined with Christ, with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death. You know, every time somebody goes into the water of baptism, he gives a testimony. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ lives in me. I take my old nature and I put it into the water, which is a grave, you know, which is a symbol of the grave. And I leave it there. And when I come out, I come out as the new creation in Christ. For we died and were buried with Christ... By baptism. Okay? So death is a reality. It must be a reality for all of us. Because there is no grace coming to you unless you have gone through this. Okay? That's why there is that connection. That's why I was asking that question. What has death to do with grace? How could there be possibly any grace in death? But that's exactly what we have an explanation for in this word. <coughs> okay we died and we were buried with Christ Jesus by baptism and just as Christ was lives, life no longer in the old nature of death, but in the new nature of the life of Christ which is marked by the grace of God <coughs> we have been reading in the beginning as Paul was saying But by the grace of God, I am who I am. Okay? When we came into this world, we were not the kind of people that we ought to be and that we I hope we all are today. Because God has been working in our lives. Okay? We came to know Jesus as our Savior, as our Lord. We came to know Jesus as the one who carried our sin to the cross who died for us, who brought grace into our lives, who brought truth into our lives. And that is what each and every one of us requires. So God is transforming our lives. And, and, and you know, this is a powerful testimony. Uh, as I mentioned earlier on, uh, Paul went through a very dramatic transformation. He was a persecutor of the believers. And then he became a preacher of the very gospel that he was persecuting. And even if your transformation has not been as dramatic, it has to be still the same transformation. Because no one came into this world righteous and holy. We all came as people who have gone astray. The Bible tells us not one of us is righteous. We have all been going astray like sheep. And God has come to bring us back to his fault. So verse 4 in Romans chapter 6 says, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. And this is the good news. We live new lives because of this. Because of the grace of this. Hey, this is hard to understand, but it's a reality. You know, this is not making sense to people who have not tasted the goodness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For them, it's a contradiction which they cannot resolve. And you cannot resolve it by mere thinking. You can only resolve it by experiencing exactly what God has given to us and by putting our faith in him who has given us life. So Jesus brought us the fullness of his grace, of his truth, which was appropriated by his death to each and every one of us. If Jesus did not die, the grace and truth would not have come to us. Okay? We would not be the people that we are, that we can be today, without him having laid down his life at the cross of Calvary. So, as we are celebrating communion, Holy Communion today, this is only possible on the basis of grace. Grace. Okay, and I think this is something that we need to be reminded of time and again. You know, true Holy Communion is impossible without the death of Christ, without the grace that Jesus tasted for every one of us, and that is this. Now we can meet as the redeemed of the Lord with no fear of judgment. And you know, here we are now not having arguments, okay? I've done better than you, or I've been, uh, you know, I've been doing greater things than you. No, No, this is immaterial, okay? We are all on the basis of grace. And when we come to the table of the Lord, we come to the table of the Lord on the basis of the work that Jesus Christ has done for us at the cross of Calvary. You see, Paul says, I've worked harder than all of them and then he says but not yet not I but the grace of God that was with me so in other words he's not boasting about the many things that he has done and for sure you know Paul could have easily boasted uh, especially from our from our uh, perspective today looking back at uh, the writing of the Bible and and the influence that uh, Paul had on the building of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can say he played an immense uh, role in, in all of the work of God. But Paul says it's by the grace of God. And so we meet in the presence of God, on the table of the Lord, on the basis of his grace. There's nobody who can say, I'm a bit better than the other. No, we are all coming on the very, very same basis of the shed blood of Jesus Christ who has brought us together as a family and made us one with him. And that's why we are able to stand before him and taste more of his grace every time we come together and every time we come before his table. So Jesus died at the cross and we followed him in the very practice of baptism. You know, in in some of the different religions you have got uh, different types of sacraments which people are talking about. Okay? Uh, in scripture, there are only two things that God gave the New Testament to observe. Number one, he told us that when we follow him, that when we... Uh, walk with Jesus Christ. We need to emulate his death by being baptized. So we need to make ourselves one with him in his death. Okay? That's very important. And that's where the grace of death comes in. What has death to do with grace? No. If death does not come first, then there's no grace. Okay? So we need to die with Christ. And that's why we go into the water of baptism. That's why we are allowing ourselves to be dipped into the water, which is a sign of death, a sign of the grave. And then we come back out of that grave again, now having a testimony. We were, made, we were renewed in Christ. We have risen with Him in the Lord. And the second, uh, the second. Um, commandment that the Lord Jesus Christ gave us, okay? As I said, some people call it sacraments with many other sacraments. In the scriptures, there are only two of them. Number one, baptism, okay? And if you are not baptized and you're a believer in the Lord, that is an impossibility. You need to identify with Christ in the waters of baptism, okay? If you're not yet saved, get saved and get baptized, okay? Baptism does not save anybody. No, you have to get saved. You have to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then you have to take that step, following the footsteps of Jesus Christ into this. And once that has happened, then grace will follow us. Truth will follow us. The joy of his salvation will be a reality in our life every single day. (coughs) so Jesus has founded the church by giving us a very clear instructions as often as you come together okay and we are coming together today as the body of Christ as the family of God you know we should not forget to come to his table and of course we come to receive his word but we also come to receive the emblems, the emblems of his suffering, the emblems of his broken body and his shed blood that he has given us to remember as a reminder throughout our lifetime that grace comes because he has died. Grace is with us in an increasing manner because Jesus has laid down his wonderful life. So we are meeting today, as we are commonly meeting when we come together, we, the church, every one of us, we are meeting with God through the work that Jesus has done in these worlds, Through the work that he completed at the cross of Calvary, When he prayed for us, you know, he didn't didn't, uh, threaten us with retaliation. No, but actually he prayed for us. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And when Jesus came back to meet with his disciples, they were all gathered because they were afraid of the Jews that locked the doors, that made sure the windows are blocked. And yet Jesus came to be in their midst. And he gave them peace. He brought with him grace. And that has not ended. That is still continuing today. Every time we meet, every time we come together at the table of the Lord, we receive his wonderful grace. Now what we must understand is that God has a bigger program for each and every one of us than just you know, uh, coming to know Jesus. Many people think, as long as I'm saved, everything is fine. Do you know that salvation is just the beginning of everything? Salvation became necessary because Adam left the ways of God. And he forfeits the ability to be a ruler in God. He could no longer govern the very domain that God had given to him. He could no longer be in charge of this world, but he handed over the charge of this world to Satan. And that's why Satan is called the god of this world, not because God gave it to him, but because he stole it from Adam. So Adam could never be the ruler that God wanted him to be, but We must not walk in the footsteps of Adam. We must walk in the footsteps of the new Adam, the second Adam, that is Jesus Christ. Let me just take you quickly to the book of Romans, chapter 3, verse 21. It's a scripture that is probably well known, and yet, you know, the danger is that when we know scriptures well, we don't really take time to to reflect on them because we think we have heard this, we know it. The Bible says, But now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the priests testify. The righteousness from God comes through faith in Christ Jesus to all who believe. So I've got good news for you. You are righteous in Christ. Provided you believe. Amen. That's what the Bible says. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because of his forbearance that he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so that us to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Christ. So we are justified by what God has done, by his death. Now, what is important for us is to understand that there is no new life in God without him dying as a result of God's judgment over sin. Okay? We must understand that. And so today we are righteous because we're no longer going into judgment of sin. That has been done. You know, when we came to know him, when we came to believe in him, then he has washed our sin away. And we are now new creatures in Christ. I am no longer what I used to be, as Paul says. But I'm a new creature in Christ. But then, as I said, this is only the beginning. It's It's not the completion of the matter. It's the beginning of the matter. Now, Jesus told us another reason why he had to die. Let me take you to John chapter 12, verse 23. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Now, when you talk about being glorified, you think about something powerful, something glorious, something shining, something bright. Okay? When Jesus talked about being glorified, he talked about dying. Okay? Do you want to be glorified? Huh? Do, you, do you know what I'm saying? Okay, Jesus was saying it's my time to be glorified. Glorified to him meant to be nailed to the cross. Okay, listen. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies... It produces many seeds the man who loves his life will lose it while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life whoever serves me must follow me and where I am my servant also will be my father will honor me and the one who serves my father will honor the one who serves me now my heart is troubled Okay, can you hear that? Jesus says, my heart is troubled. He started this, uh, this very sentence or this very uh, thought, the hour has come for the man, son of man to be glorified. Okay, when you are glorified our, according to our thinking, then everything is glorious, everything is powerful, everything is nice. But actually it resulted, for Jesus it resulted in something completely different. And he says, now my heart is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Okay, so for Jesus to be glorified, it meant to be dying the death of a sinner because he took our sin on our behalf. He died on that cross for you and for me. And he would not say, Father, save me from this hour, because he knew that this was the reason for his coming into this world. You see, many times we, you and I, we have prayed to God, God, take this sin away from me. And we have missed the point that God has actually got something that he wants to accomplish in your life through what he takes you. Okay? So don't just pray quickly, okay, God, take this problem away from me. Okay? Take this uh, suffering away from me. There may be a greater reason why you go through this. And Jesus understood that reason. He says... I came for this very purpose into this world to lay down my life to become that seed that was going to be buried in the ground because only if that would happen would I be able to bear fruit, to multiply amen and the same is true for each and every one of us the interesting thing that we have seen here is that Jesus does not say but if it dies it will produce as many fruits But he says, if he dies, he will produce many seeds. Okay, that means he has produced you and he has produced me and he has produced all of us and all of the people around the world who are coming to call Jesus Lord and Savior. But we are not just fruits. Yes, we are fruits, but we are also seeds. Which means, like him, we need to be sown. Like him, we need to also multiply. And that's why even we will go through hardship, we'll go through suffering, we'll go through death. But it's not a death that it can destroy us, it's a death that can only multiply according to the very plan of God. So, as I said earlier on, salvation is not an end. But it's the beginning of our calling in God. We can bear fruit because someone else was willing to die on our behalf. And of course, remember Jesus said that we are called to bear much fruit. Not just fruit, but much fruit. So all believers anywhere from time immemorial since Christ died are the result of that one seed when Jesus allowed himself to be sown, to die at that cross, to bring us grace, and to bring us to life, all of us, the body of Christ. So that seed, Jesus, did not remain alone, but it multiplied in great power, as we can see the body of Christ all around the world. In the same way, we must not forget that even us even you and me we must become seeds and be fruitful through dying okay and god doesn't say you must die necessarily in your body of course that will come at one time and god has said as he goes is going to give us a new body but we don't need to buy, uh, die to our old nature to our ego you know to our own selfish way of doing things so that we can hear God and follow His instructions and His commandment. Just like the Apostle Paul says, it's no longer that I that liveth, but it's Christ who lives in me. As we are dying to our old nature, the grace of God will manifest in our lives. And you know, this is what we should be longing for. This is what we should be hungry for that you know the grace of God will multiply in our lives and manifest in our lives and through us in the lives of other people. As I said earlier on, it was selfishness and disobedience that made Adam lose his rulership. But we can win our calling in God to rule with him when we are obedient to his words, and then we, when we are working together with him. What we unfortunately often see in leadership, including the church, it's not just outside, I don't even want to talk about the outside uh, world, but in the church, is often diametrically opposed to the truth. You know, you hear so many people are saying, oh, this is a great man of God. This is a great apostle. This is a great this and that. And thank God, you know, Paul was a great apostle. Paul worked more than everybody else, but he confessed. It's all by God's grace. You see, we need to learn to follow the footsteps of Jesus Christ into servant leadership, okay? We need the Christ leadership in our life starting from the leaders to everybody else. Jesus, in humility, humbled himself even to the death on the cross. He was not coming to be the ruler, the Messiah, to be, to be celebrated everywhere. It was only once that he was riding on a donkey, or on a donkey's skull, that is the young of the donkey, And by the prophecy of God, everybody was shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But in actual fact, they are not having their heart in, that, in, that, in those words. If they had, they would not have shouted just a few days later, crucify him, crucify him. So Jesus never came to get accolades, to get worship. <coughs> but he laid down his life he was willing to be the servant of all and Jesus said the greatest the one who wants to be the greatest of all should be the servant of all and he was the servant of all he demonstrated servanthood in his life in every way so God wants us to walk the Jesus way okay we don't have to try and boast we are better than others. We are, you know, having this and the other to, our, to, our, to ourselves that others don't have. No, the grace is coming to us freely. And whatever grace we receive, we should do our best to hand it over and let it flow further into the lives of other people as well. What God gives to you, no one can take it from you. And if you give it away freely, you will have the amazing experience that God will make you extremely rich by replacing what you gave away by something even better than what you gave away. That's the way God is doing things in each and every one of our lives. 2nd Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 the Bible says for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that so he was rich okay some time ago I was writing an article about the, the richness of God but it's not rich in money it's rich in, in everything that God is okay so God is rich He doesn't need money, by the way. He's continuing to create and he's continuing to do things. Whatever he wants to do, he can do it. Even so, there was a time that he said, I'm now going to take a rest I sit down because he had already done enough. Now he's waiting for us to come through. So, for the grace, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that so he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor. So that through his poverty, you might become rich. Isn't that powerful? You see, God wants us to emulate that way of God, that lifestyle of Jesus Christ. We are rich. Even if you don't have a lot of money in your pocket or even in your bank account, you are rich in Christ because he has given you salvation. He has given his grace. He has given you so much of everything that we find in God. So you are rich. But then you must not boast about that, but on the contrary, just like Christ was laying down his, his uh, gifts and everything that he had in order for those who were poor to also participate. And partake of what he has and brothers and sisters whatever god has given to you it's not for you alone it's not just for you to enjoy in life but it's for you to share and that's why you know i've been saying earlier on you know as we as we die to our old nature his grace manifests in our life so that we continue giving away to others. God is not finished with any one of us. You know, we, we must understand that he has a powerful program in our lives to bear much fruit. And when there is fruit... Actually, it's not just fruit, but it's seed again because every fruit has seeds. So God wants you to do what Christ did. Die to your old nature. Die to your selfishness. So that it will make room to the blessings of God, to the grace of God, to come to others around you. And you will be amazed for even how God will Replace that which you have given away for even much greater experiences in your own life. So, brothers and sisters, I hope you have the answer today to that question what has this to do with grace? Okay, how could there be possibly any grace in this? Well, without this, Without the death of Jesus Christ, there wouldn't have been any grace in this world. And without us to be willing to die, just like Christ laid down his life, we should be willing to lay down our privileges and our rights so that others will be able to get the benefit of it. So they will also get the benefit of, our, of the fruit of our labor. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. And the branches' job is to bear fruit. Amen? So you are saved. Not to be happy about your salvation, but to bear fruit. To become a seed again that brings much more fruit and seeds again in the lives of people around you. So today, today, We are taking time to celebrate Holy Communion. We are together on the foundation of the holy ground that Jesus himself has laid. Okay? There's no more need for fear of condemnation. If your heart condemns you, just tell your heart to shut up. Okay? Because Christ has redeemed us from every accusation. And so we are coming together on the basis of what Christ has done for us. And we partake of that which God prepares for us on his table. This is the Father's table. On his table, he prepared for us Christ. And in Christ, there are all the treasures, all the riches of these worlds. And every time we come to the table of the Lord, we should take some of these blessing some of this grace that comes to us through the broken body and the shed blood of our Savior and Lord. May God bless you. Amen.